Hey friend, I'm Laura Lee and welcome to Living in the Light. Here on the podcast, we share our stories of how Jesus has brought us from the dark and into his glorious and powerful light. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that your story matters. With God, even the brokenness has incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. Hey friend, welcome to Living in the Light. Thanks for being here again this week as we continue season four of the podcast. We are calling this season Hope in the Light as we lean into the good news of the hope we have as we live out our lives as followers of Jesus. The world is longing to know from where we find and experience hope. And I believe, and the guests joining me on this season believe, that the light of Jesus is our deep satisfaction in the source of true hope in life. Today on the podcast, I have my friend and pastor, Faith Yuri Cho. Faith is the CEO and founder of The Honor Summit, a nonprofit organization that centers Asian American women in the mission of God. Alongside her husband, Pastor David Cho, she is also the co-founder and co-pastor of Mosaic Covenant Church in New Jersey. Faith describes her life purpose as commissioned to know his presence, articulate the gospel, and champion the marginalized. At the center of God's heart is where you will find her. Today on the podcast, we're talking about Faith's journey and experience being saved by the light of Christ and called into ministry. She shares some of her experience in the church as an Asian American woman and the calling God has given her to shepherd the flock he has entrusted to her. We talk about Faith's experience in the church as an Asian American woman and the calling God has given her to shepherd and lead others. We dive into the role of good leadership in the church and how all of us are collectively called to follow Jesus, walking in surrender with the Father and serving one another in love. I'm going to kick us off by reading the scripture anchoring today's episode. This is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 11. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You're going to love today's episode. Here's my conversation with Faith. Oh, Faith, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm glad to be here. It's an honor. 
I just want to start by asking you um, to tell the listeners where you find yourself right now and what you do. Um, a lot of things, actually. So I am a pastor. I am a pastor's wife. Um, I'm also CEO and founder of a nonprofit organization that centers Asian American women. Um, I'm also um, an itinerant speaker and writer. So there's just like a lot of things going on. I'm also a mom of four, a few dogs. It's just endless, endless chaos, but it's a, it's a good chaos. That's awesome. Um, we were talking right before we got on the podcast and you were telling me about the zip code you live in. I think it's really unique. Um, just awesome how God has placed you right where he has. Uh, would you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yes. So when we were in the church planting process, we had no idea what town to plant ourselves in. We just felt the Lord had called us to New Jersey. Um, but it just so happened that the home that we ended up renting um, was in this town called Paramus. And um, and even when we were looking for venues, the only venue that was open to us was the AMC Theater in the Garden State Plaza Mall. And to that, I felt like the Lord was reminding me that one, because there's no sales tax in New Jersey, um, the shopping scene is very big here. And the Lord reminded me the zip code that I'm in is actually the highest grossing retail zip code in America, which people don't realize that um, because it's just New Jersey, right? It's kind of the Nazareth of America. People think, what, what good could come from New Jersey? But um, but it's funny because it's also one of the last towns in America that still honors the blue law, mm-hmm. meaning all these retail stores are closed on Sundays. And so it's kind of like a ghost town on Sundays. And yet still, um, it's one of the highest grossing retail zip codes in America, which I think is just such a picture of God's faithfulness uh, in the Sabbath. And as God was speaking to me through these details, he reminded me, faith, millions of people come through this town to find things of worth. And you are, you and your family, you are going to uh, remind them of the worth of knowing Christ. So that's been our journey. So beautiful. Glad you're where you are. Yeah. Well, here on the podcast, we I always ask, how has Jesus taken you from the dark and into his glorious and powerful light? And I'd love to have you just share a little bit about your story, how Jesus has brought you from the dark and into his light and what your life has been like since knowing him. Right. So it's been a journey. Um, I was not born into a Christian home, but there was just always something in my heart that was seeking God. And um, I remember around five to six years old, I used to pray every night, just not knowing if there was a God that could hear me, not knowing if uh, it was just a figment of my imagination, but there was just this cry for God in my heart. And I remember I would just constantly be praying and asking God to show up, asking God to reveal himself. And I remember we were, um, we were on a vacation once as a family. And as my parents were packing up for us to leave, 
I was sitting in bed and watching a gospel movie on the television. And I remember asking my mother, um, who is that man? And she said, that's Jesus. And I remember saying, I, that looks like a very nice man, you know, and it just marked me. And I re- specifically remember that was the moment I found out his name. His name was Jesus. Up until that point, I, I've never gone to church. I've never heard of that name. What's wild was we actually got into a huge car accident right after that, um, like to the point where our car flipped over twice into the Nevada desert. And um, every like police officer and first responders, like they were like, there's just no way you guys should be alive. I had a less than one year old sister at that time. Um, and, but we were all uh, safe, no bones were broken. Um, and I really feel like there was just something about that day. Like when I found out his name, something just shifted. And I don't think that was the day I was safe. But it was just moments like that where the Lord just led me into his heart because I didn't have a pastor that evangelized to me. Um, If anything, no one really actually evangelized to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Because after that, I remember I went to the library um, and asked the librarian, do you have books about Jesus? And when the librarian was like, "Uh, no, like you have to go to church for that. That's when I told my mother, okay, then send me to church. And I was at church when I started to hear about the gospel. Um, but I think it was just like a slow and steady, like um, having my heart wooed by the creator for some time. And finally, when I was 16 years old, I fully gave my life to Jesus. And um, it's just never been the same since then. Wow. That's a beautiful story and love to hear that, you know, God is always drawing all people to himself and he is Mm -hmm. so creative and how he meets us right, right. When, um, we need to meet him, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Well, faith, you're an amazing leader. And we met this past fall through kind of like a a leadership event, uh, with Mm -hmm. different, Christians doing awesome things in different industries all around the country. And, um, I just really look up to you a lot as a sister in Christ and as a nonprofit leader and a pastor. And I'm just excited for you to share more about what you do, um, with the listeners. Cause I know it's a big part of your story and your journey following the Lord. So tell us a little bit about, um, the main things you're leading right now. You just recently led a conference and um, Mm -hmm. you have a lot going on. So would love to just hear about what that is. Yes. So there are two main things. I'm in both the nonprofit world as well as the church world. Um, So the nonprofit is called the Honor Summit and we center Asian American women in the mission of God. And basically what that means is We honor her story, her design, and we allow her to present all of who she is um, in the discipleship process so that God can use her. It's really to meet the cry of Hagar, especially amongst Asian American women and all women, really, but um, but particularly to the Asian American narrative, um, because a lot of women that are in that population 
they feel as though we're not Sarah. You know, we're not the uh, we're not at the center of God's covenant. We are um, we're we're watching on the sides. We're just contributing where we can. And um, she feels like the other woman, you know. But it's funny because Hagar was the first to name God, El Roy, the God who sees me. And we're meeting that cry amongst the Asian American women that she is designed on purpose. She is who she is on purpose. And the Lord is raising her up just like Esther for such a time as this. And so we want to honor that and um, uh, offer discipleship opportunities, also resources for churches to know how to reach her um, just so that she doesn't need to be on the sidelines anymore. She could be, um, she could be a player. She could be a, a key player mm-hmm. in what God is doing. She could effectively participate in his redemption story. Um, and so that's what we do. And we start from youth, you know, and which is why we had our recent youth conference for Asian American girls. Um, and we just go up from there. We do cohorts. We also have a podcast. Um, you know, we share stories of the Asian American woman narrative um, in her with her faith. And so we do all, all sorts of things with that. And then uh, we also planted a church in February called Mosaic Covenant Church of New Jersey. Um, like I said, we're based in Paramus. And the vision statement for that is uh, we exist to help people discover the worth of knowing Christ. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. What led you to the word fun. mosaic? Well, we're actually part of a family of churches. Um, so Mosaic Covenant Churches, we, we are our own entity. Um, we are our own independent church. However, we're amongst the family of Mosaic Churches in nice. the Northeast area. And so mm. um, there's one in Roosevelt Island uh, led wow. by Pastor Amanda Sadler. And there's one in, Mos- uh, there's one in West Queens. Um, and that's led by Pastor Dan Sadler, um, and also uh, Jordan Floro that works with him. And then there's also a community center in Queens and Sunnyside cool. uh, that that meets the um, the food deficit in the community. Um, and it's they do beautiful work. And um, yeah, and then we're here in Mosaic Covenant Church of New Jersey. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So Faith, what things in your life do you feel God has perfectly aligned to equip you to start and lead these initiatives? Years and years of surrender and stewardship, I would say. Um, part of it is, yeah, in my design, I am who I am. Um, like I said before, for such a time as this, um, I'm an Asian American woman. Um, in a time and space where now there's more room and if anything, more curiosity um, for my voice. Um, but even more than that, I would say, I mean, I've been in ministry for 17 years now. And so in those 17 years, I have been constantly in surrender uh, with the Lord of what my calling should look like. I think there was like multiple renditions of what my calling could have looked like, or maybe even should have looked like in years past, but just constantly in surrender, but also stewardship. You know, I've been an intern. I've been um, a a missionary. I've been um, an associate pastor. I've been a lead pastor. I've 
been a CEO. I've been, you know, like I, there's just so many things that I did. Um, but learning how to steward that gave me the tools and the experience to be where I'm at today. After 17 years, now I've planted a church, but it also took near 17 years of, um, well, if you count COVID, then maybe 15 years, you know, but it, it, it took about 15 years of being in the church, being, you know, uh, being a helper, being a, a volunteer, not being paid, um, being in the background, watching how services work, watching what um, pastors go through. It took me years of all of that to know how to plant one and to be even be ready to plant one. Um, even with a nonprofit organization, you know, it didn't just happen overnight. Um, it took a lot of stewarding the little to get to this point, um, especially with the vision. And so I would say, yeah, part of it was in my design, the how the Lord specifically created me. But um, a lot of it was also just a journey of constant stewardship and surrender. That's awesome. It may, makes me think of um, Joseph. And yes. Just how he, you know, he was faithful to just be with God and to do the next thing that God had him do. And then all of a sudden, you know, he does find himself in this position of leadership years later that God had kind of spoken to him in the secret place years before that he had specifically and uniquely wired him for. Hey, hey, Larley here. Did you know I send out a weekly email newsletter? Be sure and subscribe to the Rise Collective newsletter. This newsletter goes out every week with a few words from me, links to the new podcast episode and the episode show description, as well as updates from the Rise Collective ministry in ways that you can be a part of the work God is doing in the lives of women following Jesus all around the world. I can't wait to send a little email into your inbox next week. There's a link in the show description where you can subscribe today. Your name's Faith, and something that I took away from even just our first coffee date together, um, <laughs> yeah. you so beautifully tell stories of faith, mm. of how God has continued to show himself to you and, and lead you down the next path by faith. So mm-hmm. I just kind of spontaneously feel led to ask you, like, what in this season is God teaching you about just faith? And it's the one thing he says he marvels at in Mm. gospels that like Jesus is so compelled when we just have faith and trust in him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's he teaching you about that right now? Faith is always born in the mystery. Mm. It's never born um, in hype. It's never born in momentum. It's never born um, when everything goes your way. never born when there's a myriad of open doors. Um, It's not even born when everyone recognizes how gifted and talented and called you are. Faith is birthed in the mystery. And if Mm -hmm. one wants to live by faith, one has to be okay with mystery. As Mm -hmm. in, we don't know when the next paycheck's going to come in. We don't know when um, the next person that could volunteer in this position could come in. We don't we don't know if things are going to work out like the whole 501c3 process that you and I, we were talking about, you know, like it's such a journey of mystery. We don't know, but in that 
state of not knowing, that's when faith is born. You know, um, I think when we began the church planting journey, I experienced a lot of radical miracles that just happened all of a sudden, um, almost easily. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say easily because there was that trepidation and fear of the unknown, but they were just so like all of a sudden, so big, so, so dramatic, right? These days, I feel as though God is leading me into a new season of believing, which is the long suffering belief, you know, which is the kind of belief where, you know what, things are just not turning up like they should. Um, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for certain things to turn up um, or things just didn't turn up in the times that I wanted it to. Um, that season of supposed disappointments. But when, and I say supposed because now I'm at a place where they don't disappoint me as much because now I have a, a deeper confidence. Okay, God, you must be really up to something. You must be really up to something different from what I have planned. You must be up to something where um, it just shouldn't be happening in this time span that I want it to happen. You know, um, there are certain things that I've been waiting for near, near, I don't even know, like 18 years, 19 years, perhaps to unravel that are unraveling this year, you know, um, decades, right? Um, near decades, right? Of, of waiting preparation. And I'm seeing it happen this year in such miraculous ways. Sometimes miracles happen all of a sudden. Sometimes they are long waited for. Sometimes they unravel over time. You know, um, my daughter, she always says this, um, like if, like sometimes miracles take a long time to happen. And that's just simply because God's working on it. Like my 10 year old says that, you know, like she always says, Wisdom. God seems, yeah, she always like, God is working on it. That's it. Like, you know what I mean? It's not that he's neglecting it. He's just working on it. And I have seen that more and more this year than ever before. Mm. And for big dreamers, visionaries like you, you think about just God created you to be able to plant seeds that do take a long time to kind yeah. of see the fulfillment of. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really, it's really cool to think she knows, she knows that he's working, he's <laughs> yes. working it out, mom. He's, he's just, working on it. He has yeah. a few more details. He's, he's weaving things together. Absolutely. And if leaders are not capable of working on things that don't have automatic fruit, um, it mm. will be very limiting in how mm. much they could do. Like we should all be investing in things that take a while. Amen. Yeah. That's stewarding seeds, not orchards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think we all want the orchard like that, you know, but we got to steward the seeds to get the orchard. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. God's a big dreamer. Yeah, he, he loves when you bring to him a big whiteboard and say, okay, how can over a long period of time, we really do this together? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then the spiritual warfare comes. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. I, I want to dive into first Peter chapter five, a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. this season on the podcast, we've been walking mm -hmm. through the book of first Peter just kind of chapter by chapter with each conversation. And 
I really think this is, um, I'm, I'm excited. You're the one that's, that's talking to me about first Peter chapter five, cause it's, it's all about submitting to elders and gives instructions for yeah. leaders and shepherds, um, to not be domineering, mm-hmm. but being examples. And I just want to ask, like, tell us about your experience, like having been in the church, pastoring a church, um, how has that impacted how you feel called to lead? Yes. Um, the church, like any family, is impossible without a measure of grace. Mm. Um, I think in my experience, especially being in the Korean American church, um, there has been many positive experiences with spiritual leaders and authority and negative, you know, um, both on the receiving end and the giving end. Um, there's a lot of elements to the Korean American culture in the church that still needs a bit of sanctification, I'm sure, um, as are all cultures. Um, and so, yeah, did I have a lot of bad experiences? Sure. Um, was I a perfect leader all the time? No. You know, but now that I have my own um, biological family, right, I have children, I have four children. And growing as a parent made me realize, you know what, like a family is impossible without a measure of grace. Um, a grace from us to our leaders, but also grace from leaders to those that follow us. Um, there needs to be mutual grace. Um, I think it's interesting because this passage, um, it's it's not so much, oh, elders do this. And it's not also just, oh, younger people do that. It's both sides, mm-hmm. you know, both sides need to, in a, to a measure, uh, submit to one another in humility. You mm-hmm. know, both sides have a, a measure of being humble to one another because it's, we do everything before God, you know, um, it's, we have to humble ourselves and submit to one another before God. It's not just, oh, I'm submitting to my leader, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. at the same time, it's not just, oh, I'm just, um, abiding to my sheep. No, we are all doing this for the audience of one. Yeah. Um, it's easy to submit to a leader. And I say submit in a very like understanding way. Like I know that's a trigger word for a lot of people in the church, but you know, I mean, God has order and there are leaders, you know? Um, and so in order to be able to do that, it's not because that person is worthy. It's not because that person is um, like better than you. It's because we are before the Lord, you know, and and in that same way, it goes on the flip side as well. You know, shepherds to sheep, shepherds to flock. Um, we care for them because it's they're, they're God's people, not our people. You know, so I feel as though um, the dynamic between shepherd and flock it's made possible with grace, but in awareness of who is really our master, who are we really submitting to? Mm-hmm. Who is the good shepherd? Yes, absolutely. Mm, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most valuable lesson the Lord has taught you about leadership throughout your experience shepherding? Um, I think God will always invite us to a beautiful death. <laughs> it sounds, um, it 
sounds morbid, but we are all as Christians called to lay down our lives, take up our cross, right? The cross is a symbol for execution back then. Um, So it's poetic to us now, but it's as if like a thousand years after this, people are like, let's take up our our electric chairs, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it, It was a symbol of death. Right. So for him to say, take up your cross, it means he's inviting us to a beautiful death and leaders. um, We are going to find that surrendering ourselves to the Lord will always give us strength to be faithful unto the end. It's a it's a beautiful death. Death death to our vision at times, death Mm -hmm. to our plans, our timelines, our. a way of doing things, and most importantly, death to our pride. Um, I like, you know, a, a leader must always never be above the ability to apologize, to also to um, reroute if necessary. Um, but if you allow yourself to go through that beautiful death, um, you also experience um, beautiful redemption. And a lot of what you do. And um, it's not just a sadistic, oh, just suffer, 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 and then you'll be able to lead. Um, because I believe that Jesus being the reward always makes it worth it. His presence is always heavier than the pain. Mm-hmm. You know, his presence will always outweigh the pain. Um, and in his presence, um, it becomes worth it. Moses in his leadership endured so much pain and so much sorrow, but yet close to God. He was the closest to God. That intimacy with the Lord fueled his leadership. And so, um, yeah, I would say that that beautiful death is what I feel the Lord calling us to as leaders. That death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a verse at the end. I think it's Exodus when Moses dies. And mm-hmm. it says he died with vigor unabated. At least that's yeah. what my translation said. And that came into yeah. my mind when you were talking. Because I think about that often of like, what yeah. does it mean to finish well? Yeah. And how Moses just saw so much crap and then also saw so much beautiful like just the Mm -hmm. glory of god and miracles happening but then like the messiness of peopling Mm -hmm. and and human just humans doing things that they do and to think that like even to the end he like had vigor on his last days yeah it's amazing absolutely it's that friendship with god yeah he had it you know yep absolutely Hey friend, did you know that Rise Collective has an online community? Rise Collective Women Online is our ministry's online home where you can connect with other women around the world who are pursuing faith in Jesus. These women truly love each other and they're daily sharing scripture and encouragement surrounding their lives and experiences from all different places and spaces. When you join Rise Collective Women Online, you get a free subscription to Right Now Media the world's largest video library of Bible study content. You should look them up. They are awesome. 
you don't have to do this life alone. That's what this is all about. There's a link in the show description to find out more about how you can join Rise Collective Women Online. So with founding the Honor Summit and centering it around discipling a generation of young Asian American girls, what is your hope, faith, for their futures in the church, both locally and globally? Yes, um, my hope is that um, they will be equipped, trained, um, and even in a way normalized Mm. in the church. Um, I have a lot of leaders ask me frequently, um, how do I center her? How do I um, pull her out and and equip her and honor her in our congregation? Um, I believe now more than ever before, um, churches are wanting her voice, her narrative, her perspective. Um, but at the same time, she also needs to um, be ready for it. And so I'm hoping that um, we could provide that as an organization, that we could um, share her stories, normalize it even. Um, and so that it's not just like a hidden story that nobody knows about. I ho- I'm hoping to um, bring it to the center. Um, we need to be able to hear gospel stories from all kinds of people, mm-hmm. not just the people that look like us mm-hmm. and sound like us. And so um, my hope is that we could do that and also uh, train her so that she can be ready, so that she can be equipped. A lot of times Asian American women fall in a systematic gap, right? Um, where if they are in a multi-ethnic church, um, multicultural church, um, she kind of sometimes has to forfeit her Asian Americanness, um, in order to be able to be properly discipled. Um, or, and if she's in a mono-ethnic church in an Asian American church, um, which oftentimes, um, can have a deeply, uh, toxic cultures, um, that are, um, that could be very oppressive sometimes. Um, not all of them, but it's a little more frequent than not. Um, and so, what you often hear is that she will have to kind of um, dampen her fire from within in order to be able to be properly discipled in that context. And so you kind of see that, you know, there aren't too many spaces for an Asian American woman to be discipled fully as she is, Mm -hmm. but the Holy spirit doesn't want to just redeem parts of you. He wants to redeem all of you. Yeah. And so um, my hope is that we could offer opportunities and spaces for her to be fully discipled so that she could contribute and run mm. along everybody else. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is just, I can't help but think like, it's just God's heart. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, I just see God's heart coming from all that you're doing. And um, I know with things that are in line with what the Lord wants and is excited about, um, oftentimes comes with spiritual warfare. And Mm -hmm. I know I'd mentioned that earlier, but, um, I personally would just love to hear you speak into this a little bit. How have you experienced spiritual warfare in what you're doing and just like the pushback? Um, Mm -hmm. and what does it look like for you every day to 
resist the enemy and to walk victoriously into what God is calling you to do and live out this life of faith in him. Yeah. I think when we um, complain or, Mm. and I don't mean, I don't mean complain as in like not being authentic, but you know, sometimes complaining is to the enemy, what worship is to God. You know, we're just amplifying everything that an enemy does, you know, and we're giving it so much glory, you know, and that's very different from just being authentic and honest and pouring out your soul <laughs> to God, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think when we give ourselves that option, um, it's also admitting that there's an option to quit. That it's, um, and when I say quit, I don't mean, um, that you can't reroute or revision or a start a new project, you know, but to quit being faithful, to quit, you know. Um, and so when you die to that, when you're saying, Lord, I'm all in, you know, like my life is your own, whether this is successful or not, then there's something in you that it actually does not matter, you know, what people think. It does not matter if things don't work out. Um, because you're dead. You can't hurt a dead person. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and so, and that's kind of what I mentioned before about that beautiful death, right? And how surrender gives you that strength because there is spiritual warfare. Um, and if you, if there isn't, that that just probably means that you aren't hitting things on the mark. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you hit things on the mark, um, there will be warfare. Um, because you're invading darkness, right? Um, <laughs> I always say the way I manage that emotionally and spiritually is I never bite off more than I could chew during the day. You know, I, um, I'm i not going to win this war by winning this war. That's up to God. Victory is in the Lord. Um, it's his to give to me, right? I go throughout each day being like, well, God... <laughs> What you know, how can I abide in you? We're meant to be step by step in the spirit. You know, the 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 battle is not ours to figure out and to manage. Yeah. Um, you know, the victory is in him. And so sometimes it's just take a nap, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or sometimes it's a worship. Just just worship. Don't even think about who doesn't like you or who or what's not working out, or the funding that's not coming in. You know, so many of my victories when we had nothing was just from times of worship, just, you know, glorifying the one that brings the victory, making space for the miracle worker. Sometimes that's just what we've got to do, just make space for the miracle worker. But how I know what to do is I just ask the Lord each day, you know, God, you know what, you know, everything that's up against me, you know, the pushback, you know, um, you know, even like, and this could be anything. We live in such a time where you could be um, criticized or questioned for anything, really, <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much anything that you do. Um, there could be pushback on anything. You can say Jesus and there could be a pushback. Right. Um, and so. In, in the midst of that, you know, in order to deal with that, it's not by dealing with that. It's going to God. Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do about this? Ignore it? Sometimes God has called me to ignore it. Don't even answer. Don't even talk about it. Don't even, you know. 
Um, I remember once, um, especially when my 501c3 uh, process was not um, working out and be, long story short, it got lost the first round, um, which is wild, right? And But that was also because it was in the middle of a pandemic um, and there was just crazy things happening at that time. I remember saying to God, why are you not just pulling through for me? Why is this not coming through? And um, we have called, they, you know, and there's just been so many um, roundabout issues, um, you know, when it, when it came to our 501c3. And I remember the Lord leading me to a sabbatical. And he actually told the same thing to my board as I was praying about this with my board. My, the board was like, I feel like the Lord is saying pause. And I was like, wait, why? You know, we're, we're doing a lot of great things already. Like, why pause this? You know, and so, and this mm. is before we actually refined our vision, right? Because um, before it wasn't about, um, it wasn't about centering Asian American women in the mission of God. It was just some other floofy thing that it was very a generic women's ministry kind of thing, um, which was fine. And it was still doing good things. But mm. um, basically that was the word, sabbatical, wait, just rest. So I did it. I shut down everything for about five months. And during those five months, we got wind from the Lord to um, refine our vision statement. Um, as we were refining our vision statement to centering Asian American women in the mission of God, that's when our 501c3 came through. And it was like, God just knew, you know, I, and the, the, I think it's for a year and a half. Laura, like I, I was like, we were calling the offices. We were talking to um, LegalZoom, like our, which is the organization that was helping us um, get our 501c3. I mean, we were hustling. We were, I was meeting with my board like once every hour, like not hour and a half, month and a half. Um, although it felt like an hour and a half, right? Um, and we were just doing everything by our own strength. We were trying to win the war, but the victory is in the Lord, you know? Um, and so, you know, how do you tap into the means to that victory? Um, you follow his voice. You you walk with him step by step and he will do it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> victory is in the Lord. Yes. Calms the, the, the sea and the wind. Yes. Absolutely. Want, wants to do that for us. Yes. Um. I want to ask you, how would you encourage the young girl listening who maybe has big dreams, but feels unseen or ill-equipped? Mm. Being unseen is never a problem because all the, the, um, the most impactful members in, the, in biblical history were at one point. Not all of them, but many of them were unseen. Or they had lives with the Lord that um, was hidden in the secret place of their heart. Um, so being unseen should never be offensive to us, right? Um, who said that people had to recognize our calling? Only God has to recognize our calling, right? Um, to be ill-equipped, right? Um, that's that could be dealt with in a simple way as just stewarding where we're at 
and pursuing opportunities to steward, right? Um, there are some things that we could do right away just simply because we are so uh, talented and gifted, and that's amazing. Um, but we can never bypass the stewardship process, even as we make a splash in, in quick, easy ways. Um, and so as in to say, uh, our calling is the Lord's, and he decides where our impact goes. But what we can do um, is humbly seek opportunities to steward what we have. You know, if we feel called to five talents, but the Lord gave us two, you know, um, we can't be offended by the fact that we have two. Mm -hmm. We just double the two. Right? Mm -hmm. We just double the two. And steward that too until he gives us more to steward, right? Mm. Um, it's it's in that stewardship that we increase. The master gave them more, um, and I'm referring to the parable of the gold, the bags of gold, right? Other versions of the parable of the talents. Um, the the master gave them more after they after they stewarded a little. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think oftentimes big dreamers, particularly big dreamers, um, they feel as though if it doesn't happen within the year, that it is either God's rejection or their failure. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, when Joseph was thrown into the pit, that was a step towards his dream. When he was put into Potiphar's house as a slave, I always laugh at this. I, he was the best slave there ever was, you know? And when he became a prisoner, he was the best prisoner there ever was. He mm -hmm. stewarded the crap out of that, you know? Yeah. You know, he, he stewarded so well. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't a step back or a rejection because each step, whether it was the pit, whether, what, whether it was Potiphar's house or the prison, it was a step towards the palace. It was a step towards his dream. It was a step towards the destiny. And he didn't realize it, but when he was at Potiphar's house, he was not waiting. And I think people always think everything is about a season of waiting. No, God was preparing him because that was his first go of learning Egyptian culture, learning about the soil of Egyptian land, learning about fruitfulness, learning about running a household. Like He was learning how to run a nation. Mm -hmm. While he was at Potiphar's house, you know, and even when he became a prisoner, you see like the most beautiful thing in the beginning of Joseph's story, he had a dream by the end, he was interpreting dreams. Mm -hmm. Like he was, he was going through this process that allowed that gift and talent to become anointing, to become a seasoned experience so that he could finally walk into the dream. So to the young leader that feels ill-equipped, that feels unseen and unheard, I would always say steward. If you are in the pit, steward that pit. If you're stewarding, if you are someone's slave, figuratively speaking, if you are somebody's slave, then be the best slave, right? Be a fruitful slave. If you're a prisoner, be a fruitful pit prisoner until the Lord leads you into the next season, until you could um, see the next step to take, you know, and um, be fruitful where you are at, 
because you do not know what lessons you are learning um, and then move forward. Amen. Stewardship. So to close us out, Faith, I would just love to ask, um, you kind of talked it, talked directly to the like hungry and passionate about God's calling person, you know, who is like, yes, I feel this big dream. Um, but stewarding well in the process, I think I would love to ask you like, what is resting well look like Mm -hmm. for you? And what's the role of, you said, take a nap. Um, and a sermon I heard recently was like, based on the story in Elijah where he's like, Hey, go take a nap and eat a snack. And, yeah. and like God just meets <laughs> him there, you know? And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah. What, what is the role of like resting well in the midst of stewardship? Cause I think we can hear that and think like, okay, I need to do, do, do and go, go, go. And just like put my hand to the plow. Um, but God like has so yeah. much for us in rest and abiding in him. Right. Resting is essentially aligning ourselves with God and his presence. It's a realignment per se. Um, it's, because at the end of the day, you could go to all the spas and um, go on all your trips and binge watch Netflix for hours and still not feel rested. Yeah. Our soul was designed to find replenishment in the presence of God. Now, how you do that um, can be creatively done, right? Um, as in, and I think that's where that Sabbath lifestyle and all of that comes into play. It could be running. It could be, I mean, if I were to be running, I will not feel rested, right? <laughs> I will not feel in alignment with the Lord if I'm running. Um, but for some people, it's a hike or watching a sunset. Or uh, for some people, it's to eat something good, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's just whatever it is that gives us the ability to creatively realign ourselves with the presence of God will be rest. And it is a testament to the world and rebellion against culture that we have an empire to build in our name. Rest is saying that we exist to know God and everything is a fruit of that fact. Mm -hmm. And so, and as leaders and dreamers who have ideas for days resting um, will always recenter us to that purpose that our purpose is to know God mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow well faith thank you for coming on the podcast today you ministered to me so I oh, believe wholeheartedly okay. that the listeners um, have some takeaways today that Holy Spirit Mm. met them there and um, Mm. I know they're encouraged. So thanks for your time. Thanks for your words. And just thank you for your life and your leadership. It's making an impact on many. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening, friend. I'm honored you take time each week to spend with us here on Living in the Light. As always, go in light and in love. And I'll talk to you next week.